You're tuned into the Coin Gamma Podcast, and I'm your host, Fritz Charles. This podcast is about the emerging blockchain and cryptocurrency space. We explore topics that discuss how this emerging technology impacts the world economically, politically, and socially. Every episode is jam-packed with the knowledge you need to know how to leverage this new industry. Whether you want to launch a career in it or you want to become a better investor, this is the place to be. Visit us on CoinGamma.com to sign up for our newsletter. We share all the top blockchain news that you need to know. If you're new to the blockchain, we will walk you through everything you need to know in order to become an expert. Sign up for our webinars where we break down a blockchain-related topic in depth. Again, that's CoinGamma.com. You are about to bear witness, my friends, to one of the greatest technological advances in Hello, everyone. Welcome to the CoinGamma show. Uh, today, we have an illustrious guest with us. We have Fabio Connison. Uh, the co-founder of Nash, which is a revolutionary decentralized exchange aimed at making blockchain technology accessible to the wide public. Um, This is not Fabio's first endeavor in the blockchain community. He's well known in the scene as one of the founders of the City of Zion uh, open source community, which brought the Nash co-founders together. Um, So Fabio, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for appearing on. Um, tell us about a little bit about your background, what were you doing before you got into blockchain, and how did you discover it? Right. Um, it's a long history, so I'll try to summarize. Sure. So it is uh, very early on, on blockchain history, really, because I was not doing blockchain per se. I was, uh, I'm, my background is in engineering. Okay. So I was doing um, CFD, which is Computational Fluid Dynamics. Um, and there was like... Um, there was this uh, emerging scene about the GP, GPU, so processing in GPUs, uh, um, doing like computations on graphic uh, cards, right? Sure. And uh, there was really very uh, early solutions, uh, some called uh, Brook Plus, and then NVIDIA started their CUDA initiative. But um, Apple launched an, uh, its own initiative that uh, Apple got away, but it continues to exist, which is called OpenCL. Okay. And I really wanted to learn OpenCL. And um, the first uh, softwares that were using GPGPU was Bitcoin mining. All right. <laughs> yeah, this is like a 2010, 2009. It's really wow. early. Yeah, so, so, so you were super early. Yes, but but I was not doing blockchain. I was just learning GPGPU. Okay. Um, but yeah, then, then life goes on. Uh, I continued engineering, so I was working as a research engineer. I worked for six years, uh, moved from Brazil to U.S. Okay. So, where, where in Brazil are you from? Uh, I'm from the countryside of São Paulo. Okay. But I used to live in Florianópolis. Okay. Uh, which was where I studied. I also work in Rio. I actually move a lot. So. <laughs> sure. That's how yeah. most people in blockchain community work. They kind of exactly. just work. As long as you have strong Wi-Fi, you could be anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And and then I moved to the U.S. I was living in Cambridge, just near Boston. Okay. And and uh, I saw, like, I already knew about blockchain, and I saw that this thing exploded. And right. I wanted to be part of, of it in a deeper level. So I was already working as a research engineer with software. So lots of uh, high-performance computing, and so knew a lot of, of networking and uh, all the inner workings of, of those pieces. And um, I had a friend from university that we had uh, one startup before, actually a couple of startups before. 
and we wanted to do something related to, to blockchain. Sure. So um, I, I could not acquire uh, crypto in US or even Brazil for that matter. So the reason was mainly because of uh, KYC. It was really hard. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because uh, I was a Brazilian living in, in Cambridge. So I would do this exchange KYC process where it asks like, hey, what is the street that crosses this other street? I had no idea. Right. And I would try to look on Google Maps at the same time to try to answer it. And it was a pain in the ass. That's terrible. And, and if, if, if people from Cambridge is watching this, uh, if you go around in Cambridge, almost everyone is from outside, right? So you have uh, big schools there and they receive a lot of international people. Of course. So talking to my research friends there, and they also had the same, the kind of the same problem. Sure. So there's a there's a good market here on the user experience, on, on this um, um, regulation side, right? So really um, complying with some set of rules. So it's not because I'm Brazilian and I am in US that I cannot buy. Like if the requirements uh, in Brazil are the same and I comply with those, then I should be able to do it wherever I am. And based on that, we started to think on this platform for exchanges. So um, it, it was since the beginning, this idea of platform. Sure. We really believe in platforms. And me and Luciano started to look at the options to implement it because we wanted to have uh, the verification part on blockchain. Um, and the only change that implemented the, is market. The verification of the transaction or verification of the users? The users itself, right? Okay. So, the compliance of the users, we wanted to have that on the blockchain. Okay. Uh, because as a platform, what we envisioned would, was uh, that other exchanges would use the system. So it, it needed to be like a, in a neutral ground, which sure. is the blockchain. Sure. Um, and then, um, then we look at what blockchains is, have. Is to this have. any way similar to uh, Civic at all? Kind of uh, identity on the blockchain? Yeah, yeah, was uh, but was very focused on exchanges. Okay. Yeah. So so we, we look at it and there's only uh, we could do our own chain more or less like a civic does like on top of Bitcoin and so on, but we could we could also use smart contracts and decide uh, to use smart contracts. We don't, we don't actually want to build our own chain at the time. Of course. So we look at there's uh, Ethereum, but Ethereum is, is like a, a proof of concept on the, on that moment especially with all the uh, proof of work and so on. And then we had NEO and we look at NEO and see that there was like good reasoning for the BFTs uh, that they choose. And we decided then to build on top of NEO, but NEO is, is, is much smaller community than, than Ethereum at the time. So there sure. was a tooling lacking. There was no um, libraries to write to. NEO, NEO was pretty big in Asia, right? Um, I, I think at the time it was not big anywhere. Okay. It was, was better known in Asia, but it was not big really. Okay. And, and we just started building it. And, and this group of developers, uh, like as we start, a lot of people get together. And we call this group Seed of Zion. And we end up building like, uh, we built the Neon Wallet. We built Neo Scan, which is the main explorer people use. We built the JavaScript library, Neon JS, that people use to build apps on Neo. Wow. We built uh, uh, compilers for Go and, and JavaScript library to the intermediate library. We built a full node on, on, on Python. So this community built a lot of stuff. Yeah. So and, I guess, I guess the, it, that's one of the attractions with Neo from, to, from the beginning, right? Because I think Ethereum, to use it, you had to know Solidity, 
But Neo, you were able to use existing languages. So you yeah. said you built something with JavaScript, you used to build something with Python. Yeah. Um, and so, well, yeah. We, we are the ones that actually built those compilers. So. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's like a, you couldn't write anything, but after we did that, you could use, you can now use Python, Go, wow. C Sharp, and so on. Yeah. Wow. Neo main focus is hard. So we've so, a lot. Of so ne Neo, Neo owes a lot to you. Uh, yeah, I think it was, they invested in Nash also, so I think it's uh, fair now. <laughs> okay, that's fair. They are a big investor in your uh, project. So so we, we did that, and after a, a little bit more than one year, say, yeah, yeah, I think we are now on this stage that we can start our company. And, you know, as as you keep working, you change your, your ideas, right? So I, I went to Shanghai and I was in uh, um, lunch with Hong Fei and Eric, and I, talking about my project, my exchange project with uh, Hong Fei, and he says that uh, he likes it, but uh, he want he wanted it to be like he thinks that decentralized exchanges would be better than because this project that I had was more focused on on centralized exchanges, just decentralizing the identity part, and. Uh, I go back to my team, which now has grown from just me and Luciano to be me, Luciano, Ethan, and Fabian, and um, ask them what they think of doing a, 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 a decentralized version, so including the matching engine and so on. So actually building an exchange, not only the platform, right? Exchange. Um, we agree. We have. Uh, we think about uh, like we start designing an idea of uh, the technology. And uh, the following day, or in a dinner, uh, I, together with Honfei and Eric, I agree. I said, no, so let's do this. At the time, you had this roadmap. And on the roadmap, there was like a decentralized exchange. You say, sure. OK, so we will build it. Sure. But will not be like a, a DEX like there is now. And this is like a 2017. Sure. Uh, it will be a platform, as we are thinking. So it was a mid-ground, right? So we sure. both went to a mid-ground. And that's why there are advisors on the project. They contributed a lot on this beginning on shaping which direction we would go from the company. Okay. Yeah. And that's where Nash comes. So um, a, a few months later, we officially um, um, incorporate the project. Um, okay. And uh, on this meantime, from incorporation to this talk, uh, um, Tom, Tom, Thomas Sanders enters as a founder also. So we become five founders. And from that history, um, like people, we go in the project. And the thing is, uh, as we had all, all this idea of compliance since the beginning, we, we really carried this through the company. So when we were in 2017 now, thinking about um, the economics of our product, uh, we really wanted to give um, the most value possible to to the investors, right? Okay. And and we always keep coming with uh, some report, like uh, some fee distribution, some revenue distribution for the company, right? And uh, that would classify us as a security. And this is even before there was like how this, this discussion. And we decided, okay, so let's uh, issue a security right there. Um, well, security token. Was, yeah, security token. But we were thinking like a, uh, investment value. So we even didn't call STO. There was no, there was no STO. At this the time. is too early. Yeah, so we called ICO, but it is a security. <laughs> so, 
So our investors know that, know that our token is a security, but it was called ICO at the time because there was no STO. And what's your token called? It's uh, NEX, N-E-X. Okay. Yeah, because uh, at the time our exchange was was called Neon Exchange and we used to use the brand NEX, but uh, there's a, a company, a UK company that was acquired by CME Group that they had the rights for the uh, NEX brand sure and, and they gave us a season disease yeah so, so you had to change that makes and, sense yeah and you don't want to fight with semi group it's a big company for uh just a name so sure we we rebranded to to nash and we are quite happy with the okay. new brand so so all right i i could see how you created nash and i and i, I definitely understand how you created a security token in order yeah. for you to d- derive value for your yeah. investors, but uh, what is Nash? What can you do with it? Is it is it is a decentralized exchange? What uh, how does it work? And, and what's the why would you, I would, why would I use your platform versus some other right. platform? Right, right. So, very short summary: Nash is a company, is a fintech company, and we see blockchain as the infrastructure. So our goal as the company is to bring decentralized finance to everyone. And we believe that digital assets in the future, and I'm talking here five, 10, 15 years, will be running on blockchains, right? So your digital cash, your digital securities, your digital utilities will be running on blockchain. That's our uh, technological premise on the company. Right. And what we are building is tools, uh, financial tools for these digital assets. So our first products are two, a funds management platform which for people in blockchain would be like a, a wallet for uh, any number of networks. Okay. Um, and for people more familiar with finance, is like a, a, a funds management portal of um, your broker. Okay. And an exchange which connects to this funds management. So you have the funds there. Now you, you need to do something about them, right? So I exchange to trade those. Okay. Since, since at the core of, of our, our, our bet, is the blockchain technology. So we really fought, try to preserve all the, the capabilities of blockchain. And we see that the, the main capability of blockchain is self-custody, right? So Satoshi created Bitcoin because it's sovereign money. You have your own money, right? And and that's why we are fully non-custodial. So people call us uh, DEX, right? Decentralized right. exchange because we have no custody of the assets. So we sure. went to the of, of building out this trading protocol and now this funds management protocol that has no custody, uh, not because um, we are driving a DEX or building a DEX, but because we wanted to allow people trading and we wanted to preserve the profits of the assets. Got it, got it. Because what happens a lot today in exchanges is that you, you transfer your asset to this exchange but inside the exchange, your representation, you don't have the, the real asset anymore. Right. So so it's, it's, you have a, a number in a database. So the properties of the asset were lose on, on this process of uh, deposit right. and, and withdrawing. That's why people say not your keys, not your crypto. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's not only the keys itself. It's, it's, really, it's really the control, the crypto, to be trading crypto, not numbers in a database. Right. Right, 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 right. And so basically your platform allows me to have my own um, wallet, my own custody, and I can trade from it. 
Yeah, exactly. Wow, wow. Because I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, for instance, I have crypto on Binance, and you know, I should have it on my own wallet, but then I don't want to, uh, you know, I, I don't want to miss a market opportunity to sell yeah. or trade, right? And so that sounds like your platform allows you to do both at once. And, and you have the problem that if you diversify in more than one and two assets, then you have a 10 or 20 assets. Are you going to run 10, 20 individual chains or nodes and sync all those? Right. So it's a really complex process, right? Sure. So that's why that's why you have uh, the funds management itself as a single product. And we, we envision this as a single product. And then we have the exchange itself as another product and, and connect the two. So okay. the... That's the core, like uh, we call this MVP, right? So this is the, the initial products. But uh, after we have those, like um, we we want to leverage this technology to build other products on top of it. So right. the, fir the first one, the first one, and this is coming uh, quite close to the exchange, is a system for fiat on and off ramps. So how do we uh, still preserve the same profits on a fiat and on, on and off ramps? So the approach we took is that actually we are providing a marketplace. So you enter there, we detect where you are. And so oh, these, these are all the fiat providers that we have on sure. your real. So you select one and you, you buy and sell to those. But when you uh, sell, you send from your wallet. And when you buy, uh, the wallet that is attached to the receiving address is not a wallet control inside that fiat provider. It's your yeah. wallet on the funds management system. Wow. Yeah. So basically, when you buy today in a fiat uh, provider, it's, it stays inside the fiat provider, right? You, I'm going to give you an example. You buy in Coinbase, it stays in Coinbase. So the difference here is that uh, when you buy, it will go to your own wallet, right? Wow. Wow. That's, that's incredible. That's so, that's so important right now, um, you know, because now, you know, a lot of a lot of their things... There are unfortunate stories like Quadriga, things of that sort, where exchanges may not be doing the right thing as far as custodying their clients' wallets, yep. um, or their, I guess, their secure, their, um, their tokens in their, their crypto. Um, awesome, and you're like, like you said, the, it's your platform is built on top of the Neo blockchain. Not really. So okay. we have all this history. So Neo is quite important for us because it's where we fr come from, the funding, and so on. But the platform is agnostic. It's really any any blockchain. So we launched with both Ethereum and Neo at, at exactly the same stage. So trading, uh, cross-chain trading, and, and assets on the exchange and on the wallets. Um, but we want to add any number of chains, right? So after those two, because they are um, well, the most developed um, platforms right now, but after those two, we are going to aim a lot more for Bitcoin because it's a liquidity driver for the market. Of course. So uh, exchanges struggle with liquidity, right? So we, we want to add liquidity sources, and that's why we need to add Bitcoin as soon as possible. And after that, we will continue to add new chains. So this is not really based on, on, on you, but it's uh, every chain is at the same level. So what we believe is that the, the price in the market should reflect the, the development of those networks, right? So um, our interface should not feel any different for any one of those. Only the price they see on the exchange should be different. I understand. That's incredible. One of the criticisms around decentralized exchanges is that they're slow. They don't have liquidity. 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, why, why is it possible to c- combine the security benefits of having your own crypto, but, you know, you only, you, apparently your platform also would have the speed and functionality of a centralized exchange. How, right. how, how are you able to do that? How does that work? Right. So I, I think there's, um, there's a different concept on, on, on our project, which is we are not a company like Nash is not a protocol. Nash is not a DEX. Nash is this company building these tools, right? So when we approached it with this mindset, we gave ourselves the freedom to not think on a single protocol or thinking in a single product. So we end up having different protocols for holding your assets, different protocol for trading assets, and another protocol for interacting between the two. Okay. So when we had this three, it actually freed a lot more the design space for the DEX for us. So we end up having a system which is based on state channels. Okay. With that, the trades are detached from transactions in the blockchain. So you can do many, many trades on very few transactions on the blockchain using the same technology as state channel, right? So you have this okay. uh, channel that you open when you put an order and the channel that you close when you withdraw assets, right? Right. So using that, we can be really fast and, and the user experience, and, and that's a, the, the approach that we took is that we first uh, set the user experience that we want to have, then we design the protocols. Okay. And so we actually iterate many different protocols until we reach this user experience. So the user experience that you have is exactly the same as a normal uh, traditional broker today. So if you enter in, in Merrill Lynch or, or I don't know, or any broker that you use, you have your trading account, right. then you, you have your, your account, right? Your friend's account and your trading account. So you transfer to your trading account, you do your trading um, on, on the securities that you, you filled in, then when you are happy, you take out of the trading account back to your main account. Right. That's, that's exactly the same experience that you have. But on Ash, when you are doing that, you are not actually moving accounts. You are opening and closing state channels. But the user experience is exactly the same. Wow, that's incredible. Awesome. Um, obviously, right now, it seems like DeFi and decentralized finance is, 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 is pretty cool now. There's so many different projects out there. Um, obviously, your project is one. Um, there's other ones like Uniswap, MakerDAO, things of that sort. Um, I guess, what, what are your thoughts around the whole space? What do you think about um, those projects and, and, and how your project is, is different? Or, or can your project work? Is it interoperable at all? Oh, yeah, I think so. I think there will be many players in this space and, and filling different um, spaces in, in, in the industry, right? So finance is huge. Uh, for example, we are right now not focusing on, on lending or, or any kind of uh, uh, debt management, and, and sure. I'm sure that there will be projects and protocols exactly for that. Sure. We are not we are not issuing a stablecoin, right. so there are projects doing stablecoins, and we will use these tools inside our, our system. Right. So we are f- for sure compatible with a lot of, of these projects on, on this space. Um, but I, I see that the space has two different um, groups, one that's uh, very pragmatic and another one that is, is maybe two idealists. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, we for sure are together with the pragmatics. Uh, um, we, we think that we can make small compromises uh, 
to actually implement the systems. So we do need to deliver a performance system. We do need to deliver good user experience, uh, even though um, we would want uh, that uh, imagine that world where everything can be anonymous and, and private and so on. So to actually run our business, we do need to do KYC. We will right. need to follow AML. We are a business, right? So we, we cannot um, not know the origin of, of, of funds that come through the company. Right, right. <laughs> so, so we are on the pragmatic side. But we, for sure, will work with all these other projects in, in the industry. And, and the, the nice thing about uh, DeFi is that uh, you don't need to actually get permission to anyone, right? So we can just list DAI on our exchange if we want, and then we are working with the product from Baker. Uh, and we don't even need to talk about it. <laughs> right, right, right. Now that's the way it should work. Excellent. Yeah. Um, your, I think your, your project or your, 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 your token, it could be staked, right? How, how does that work? Right, so since we are security... Oh, hold on, hold on one second. Sorry, before I get you into that. For people that don't know what staking is, how would you explain staking to somebody that's new to the concept? And then you could tell us how your platform works. Right, right. So I, I would um, explain staking as a claim. Okay. So you have your tokens, and you need to claim something, some rights on those. So you would put lock your tokens or deliver it to someone to hold it so that you can make uh, your claim. So you are using the tools to your claim. So it's like presenting an ID, right? You have an ID. Okay. People say, hey, who you are? I say, uh, I'm Fritz. So, okay, show me your ID. Then sure. you're it's taking your ID to claim that you are Fritz. Right. Right? So that's exactly what we do with Nash tokens. So we are security and we pay dividends. But we cannot go like crazy paying dividends uh, randomly on the internet. Right. Um, maybe could be someone who should not have a token that somehow got the token, right? Of course. So we have a staking process where you enter in the platform and you lock your funds for um, from one month to two years. You, you choose how many. So when you lock these tokens, you need to do a KYC. Okay. So that we know that you can you can receive dividends. Right. And then, then we will pay dividends for people who will um, lock their, their tokens on the system. So that claim their dividends, right? right. So that's why we have a staking process is how we pay dividends back to the holders. Awesome, awesome. Pretty interesting. Um, also, I, I just want to pivot a bit. So, you know, you're, uh, like you mentioned, you're, you're, you're uh, from Brazil and, mm -hmm. you know, there are a lot of talk around crypto in Latin America right now, but most people are focused on Places like Venezuela and Argentina, places that have experienced hyperinflation. Um, obviously, but Brazil is the largest country in Latin America and uh, a huge player in the region. So, what, what, how, what's the crypto and blockchain scene in Brazil? What are some cool things that are going on? Um, how does it compare to its neighbors? Right. So, I think that Brazil has also experienced hyperinflation. Yes. Uh, so, if people look in the eighties, and I was alive in the eighties. Right. That's like a hundred percent or two hundred percent a month. Wow. Yeah, and um, even a couple of years ago was like a twenty percent on the year. Wow. Um, so <laughs> it's it's not what uh, Europeans and Americans think of inflation. It's you can feel it. You can right. certainly. Feel it. Um, an another thing is that uh, Brazil has this um, major problem, and that's uh, maybe why I think so much about uh, AML laws, right? Right. Uh, 
uh, Brazil has a major problem with corruption. Sure. So there's uh, a lot of talks, on, and, and and the major um, the major tools that um, the best judges in the country and, and the best work that is being done in the country to combat these kind of things are using is anti-money laundering laws. Right, right. Right. right? So that's how they are combating corruption, and and so there's um, a huge effort going on in Brazil, and um, I will here talk about one, for example. And so the BNDS, uh, Brazilian Development National Bank, okay. which is a trillion dollar organization. Sure. They they are they just did like um, less than one month ago, maybe one month ago, a public call for demonstrations of blockchain based issuing of uh, Brazilian reais so that they could track so they could track the use of the loans that they give yeah and and, and this is like huge it's like a billions of dollars of Brazilian reais being tracked on the blockchain so there is a certainly this Incredible. there's certainly this uh, um, vertent of work that is being done there that uh, maybe is uh, below the radar of many people right and they I know a group who did a demonstration on Neo, and uh, I think they chose Ethereum at the end, but they they saw different blockchain solutions and they are aware of all this. Incredible. Incredible. That's pretty cool. Obviously, you know, you're, you're a very busy man. You have a huge project to kind of keep growing, so don't want to keep you too long. Um, but congratulations on such a cool project. Uh, I look forward to trying it. If our listeners wanted to follow up with you and follow up with the project, where should they go? Oh, they go to Nash.io to learn about it. And if you have at least one uh, next token, you can join us on community.nash.io. Okay. Um, I spend every day uh, a few minutes there and our team also spends time there. So it's like a, a place where you can talk to the team really. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'll link to that in the show notes and uh, we thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you, Vincent. And it's a wrap for this episode of Coin Gamma Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please share it out with members of your network, friends, family, associates. And most importantly, please leave a review on your podcast listening platform, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, you name it. That really helps the podcast out. It helps us get more exposure and share our content with more people. And don't forget, we're available to help you out with your blockchain-related projects. Just reach out, coingamma.com. Until next time.